of course, is a great life of the Spirit within us and all the things, some of the things that he's doing. But the Amplified says that God being a partner in their labor, all things that work together and are fitting into a plan. God is looking to be a partner in your labor. And so I, I want to explore that a little bit today, but also to come to the point where we realize that there's two parts with partnership with God. The first thing, he partners with our daily life. Aren't you glad? He sends the Holy Spirit into our life to be with us forever. He's there, our teacher, our, our, our guide, our comforter, our helper. Hallelujah. He, he makes all the promises yes and amen to us. He brings it into living reality. God has released it. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, through the great and precious promises. We are partakers of the divine nature. But also, it takes the Holy Spirit to make it a living reality within our heart. And so he takes the word and makes it alive to us and we hear the voice of Jesus and faith comes. And so it's just not a mental process, but we are in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And aren't, aren't you glad when you heard the word and faith began to come into your life? And you could put your, put your whole trust in the person of Jesus Christ. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so that's in 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking there about the, the confession of Jesus Christ that brings a new life to being. It's more than a mental prayer. Hallelujah. And uh, he, we, we hear Jesus proclaimed. We hear the plan of salvation. And the Holy Spirit testifies with a heart. This is the way. This is truth. Surrender your life. Accept him. Make Jesus Lord. And when we do that, when we respond to him, he comes rushing in in new birth. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you've passed from death to life? Amen. And so we are saved. We're born again, made new, enter the family. All promises are ours. We're partakers of the divine nature. We're granted wisdom when we ask. We're dearly loved children encouraged to come boldly to the throne to find mercy and grace in time of need. We're birthed into a living hope. These are some of the things that are just ours because the Holy Spirit lives within us. And we put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But then in another vein, God becomes a partner in our labor. And so, so many of these things are just ours right away. But then we have the call for service in the, in the body of Christ. And there's different levels. There's a process that goes through our, our experience as he prepares us for our final positioning in the body of Christ. And so one of the things that happens is that we're born again, we come into a living relationship with God, we feel this call, we feel this destiny, and we just launch out. <laughs> but we, we, 
we don't submit to the training process. Hallelujah. And I think I shared this last week, but I want to just mention it again. You know, in our lives, as we go on for God, we'll find that there are circles that take place. And I, I had watched my life, and I had watched how this happened with me in my own, you know, internal awareness. And remember in the 70s, I was doing meetings and home meetings and things, and people were healed, and the power of God was just in manifestation. And then I think, wow, you know, I've got it, I think, here. <laughs> and then I'd go through months where not very little was happening. And then that anointing would come again, and then there'd be months where every service, the, the power of the Spirit, the glory of God was in manifestation. And then it would lift. And then, you know, I heard Kenneth Hagin talk about his experience. And he, he noticed that greater anointing would come, you know, w once in a while. And, he's, he, and, and Jesus told him what he needed to do to, to step through that door where it'd be continual. And uh, he's, I like what he said. He said, well, I, I did it. I did what he asked. Jesus did it. And the anointing came. Amen. And so we're pressing on to know him. And so when, for, for us to be a partner with him, we, have to, we need to keep in step with him. And, you know, be willing to submit to the training process. The Apostle Paul had a call. He knew right from the beginning he was called to the Gentiles. But yet... Right away, he went out and just started proclaiming, and finally the church sent him away <laughs> to be trained, you know, how to relate. And after 13 years, or whatever it was, 12, 13 years, God re launched him into his ministry. He was teaching, and he was in a prophetic sense before that, but then he came to that time of what God had called him ultimately to do. And so we need to be, be humble and just be willing to submit to training. Amen. Moses, you know, he was raised in the Pharaoh's house and he had all the good things of Egypt, but he was aware that he was an Israelite and he went out and saw an Egyptian you know, harming an Israelite, and he rose up and struck him and buried him in the ground. And then he ran for his life, and he was gone for 40 years. <laughs> but then God came and restored him. And so, I mean, in our zeal, in our youth, we can, we can try to apply things we're not really ready for. But God wants to use us in our youth, but don't try to jump ahead to a place you're not prepared for. Amen. Amen. Somebody said amen or whatever. <laughs> but this is really important because we can miss out on the training if we jump ahead. Hallelujah. I remember Kenneth Copeland back in the 80s, he said, you know, some people were having experiences and he started to get really aggressive with God. I want to have that experience. I want to have that experience. 
Finally, the Lord spoke to him and said, the devil is about ready to grant you some sort of a manifestation. But I will give you what you ask, but I want you to know it'll set your ministry back by 10 years. And so sometimes, you know, we're not the ones that are in charge of our life. We may have passion, but not according to wisdom. We wait for God. We wait for God. We serve him. We do what our hands are trying to do, but we wait for him in humility. He knows the right time to bring things to us. He knows the correct time to manifest his glory in a greater way. Amen. It's a great thing when God partners with us. He adds his grace to our calling. And so our calling oftentimes has to do with how we think and how we're made and how, what God designed us for. But then there are times as we're giving ourselves to that service that he will come and shine his grace upon us and there'll be greater things that happen. The, the disciples, you know, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. And in that call, they had to leave everything. They left everything to follow him. And so one of the things that God is doing is bringing us to that platform of total surrender, total abandonment unto him, unto his call, unto his purpose. In Romans 11, I mention this a lot because it's so significant to me. In the Romans 11, after Paul is talking there all the way through about Israel being cut off and the Gentiles being grafted in, and then the Israel at some point will come back in, and I take it there will be a, a great release of the glory of God upon the whole church. And then Paul makes a statement God has included everyone under sin that he may have mercy on them all. God has included everybody, put everybody in the same basket under sin so that he may have a blanket mercy upon everybody. So whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. But then in chapter 12, in view of God's mercy. So he just gives this great doxology, oh, the wisdom and the grace of God. He's past searching out and that whole thing at the end of chapter 11. And I, you know, I see that as the expression of just an anthem of praise to God as Paul's writing this, the fresh revelation of the greatness and the glory of God is, is staring at him. He's seeing it. And then he said, therefore, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We can try to do that in our own energy and we should be continually, you know, taking that step. But yet there comes a place where we have such a vision of the awesomeness of God that we're able to make a decisive decision. And Paul said, once and for all, we can make a decision where it's just set for the rest of our life. We can make a decision that there's no turning back from. 
But that, that only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Only he can bring us to that place. It's not our willpower. It's the deep revelation of the heart of the Father that is branded within us by the revelation of the Spirit. And I respond to it. And I'm captivated by God. God loves us. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. And so he is fully involved in the process of developing us for partnership with him. But it begins by this action of the Holy Spirit, our surrendering to it, dedicating our lives to him once and for all. And then Paul says that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's not three separate classifications of the will of God. It just means that God's will for our life is good. It's perfect, perfect. it's acceptable. God means to lift us to a high place. He means to bring us into the fulfillment of life. The highest life that we can have on the earth comes by totally being consecrated to God. If I desire to save myself, I'm going to set my own course. I miss out on the wonders of God. I miss out on some of the great things that he wants me to become. Hallelujah. There's something I've heard, you know, off and on over the past few years. You are the prophet of your own life. Anyone, anyone else hear that? Well, in, in a lot of ways that's true. I mean, we make decisions and we speak the word and we believe the word, but yet it can leave the wrong connotation. I'm not in charge. Let's, let's just say that I'm not in charge. <laughs> I'm not in charge. It's only through humility before God and laying our lives out before him and said, I'll be whoever you ask me to be. I'll go wherever you ask me to go. No reservations. No reservations. That we step into the highest life. And the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, said, I'm pressing on for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Even at the end, he was still pursuing that high calling. And so I want to just mention a couple of things today about this high calling. Wow, when we find it, we're in awe of him. And, you know, for me, you know, praying for the people to be healed and delivered and things like that, that's a big part of what God has anointed me to do. But you can have a high calling in worship. And you can, you know, use your gift and use what it is that you have but then God will add his anointing, his blessing, his grace to you. And you'll lead worship into the very glory of God. You'll lead people into the glory of God so they can encounter God for, for themselves. God can call you as an administrator. That's one of the gifts in Romans 12. 
And, you know, Pastor Steve works hard at administration. <laughs> and it's interesting, when I was pastoring churches here and there, I got somebody else to plan things because it wasn't even in my mind. I'd go for a whole year, wouldn't even think about social activities. <laughs> it just wasn't part of who I, who I am. So I had other people <laughs> that had that bent. Amen. He whose prophecy, you know, well, prophesy, he says. But there's an anointing there that God will come and he'll take us to higher places of flowing in that gift, in that movement of the Spirit. Because he says, you know, he was given his prophecy, prophesy according to your faith. He was given his giving, give liberally. God put a grace on your giving. He opens doors for those that are specially called to be givers. He opens doors and he will take them into places of prosperity that they haven't even thought of. Hallelujah. I heard Norval Hayes, you know, years ago at a conference and he said he was driving, you know, he had a you know, worldwide ministry kind of, but he was a businessman, not really a pastor. And he was driving in this little town and he drove by this older motel that was on Main Street. And the spirit said, buy that motel. <laughs> so he just stopped and went and found the owner and he bought the motel. And he said, it just has paid for itself and paid for itself and paid for itself every, every month. And he had very little he had to do to oversee it. God has places that he wants you to serve and he will add his grace to you when you give it your all. Amen. Amen. And so we want to be in that place where he can add his grace to us. Hallelujah. So God wants to partner with us. He is not a silent partner when he moves with us. There is an authority beyond ourselves, clearly evident that there is a depth coming through that is more than natural. Hallelujah. You know, so many times when I'm praying for people, I come up to situations where I, I can pray the prayer of faith or I can say the words but it looks like an impossibility but how many times has God showed up with supernatural grace for the moment he does a miracle he does a creative miracle and sets people free We need to put ourselves continually. He, we allow him to train us. We allow him to fashion us. We allow him to take us on. And then we expect him to move in with his supernatural grace when he sees that it's needed. We do our part. God adds the impossible. Amen. And so God is monitoring the condition of our life. He's looking for the right moment.
to add more glory to our labors. Let's read Romans 8 and verse 9 here. And right before this, he's talking about the work of the Spirit and how he's, you know, bringing us out to the kingdom of God. But in verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. You are in the Spirit. You are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit if you are born again. Let's make that confession. I am in the Spirit. Amen. You know, through the years I've heard people tell me, and maybe I've come across as arrogant, or I don't know, but they said, well, you just think you're more spiritual than me. (laughs) Hadn't crossed my mind, really. But this isn't a competition. This isn't a comparison. You are in the spirit of Jesus lives in you. This is how God sees you. You are a spiritual person. The Holy Spirit has your heart. He's drawn you to the Father, to embrace the Father, to love the Father. You don't have to compare yourself with other people. You just surrender to Jesus and compare yourself to his passion. For the Father. You are in the Spirit. You are in the Spirit. We don't allow the voice of the world, the voice of our history, the voice of the past to tell us something else. I am in the Spirit. Because I'm in the Spirit, if I draw near to God, He will draw near to me. If I worship Him, He will come and fellowship with me. Many times I initiate that contact, but then there's times he will come and because I'm one with him, he will call me. He'll draw me into a special place of fellowship. I had a fellow that would travel with me and drive me around when I was in Canada. He would go to all the meetings I was having all over and, and in all the meetings, we were, we were experienced God, you know, different levels of the presence, but we would experience him. And it's interesting, one night, there was a season, he'd wake up in the middle of the night, and the glory of the Lord would just be all over him. And he just lay there in the presence of God. And he'd say, what do you want, Lord? The Lord didn't want anything except the fellowship with him. Amen? Wow. God loves to hang out with you because you are in the Spirit. Let's say it again. I am in the Spirit because Jesus lives in me. I believe it. And then we have the contrast in verse 10. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So you are righteous before the Father. You're in the spirit. And the power of the blood is so perfect. But our body is still 
natural and, and wasting away one translation. In verse 11, but as the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is one of the prayers we've been using a whole lot lately when we pray with people. God is working in you. He's giving life to your mortal body. We like sudden manifestations of his healing power, but here he's just giving life, giving life, giving life to our mortal body. And then many times we just hook up with people that are in the process of of manifesting healing. And we just keep that switch turned on with them and get in the spirit and worship God till we have that connection. And God brings them from glory to glory. We trust him in every situation. Hallelujah. Then in verse 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And on a casual observation, we may think, well, that has to do with me being led into good paths for my future, good choices that I can make. And if I'm being led by the Spirit, then I am a child of God. But that's not the context. The context here is that if we are being led by the Spirit in the progressive transformation out of darkness and into the light of his kingdom, if this is happening over time and we're staying on track and we're moving ahead unto his glory, this is the manifestation of the sons of God. We're going from glory to glory. We're going from intimacy to intimacy. And we're coming out of the attitudes and the ways and the mindset of the world. That takes a process. Amen? You know, it's an amazing thing. I've had a lot of people tell me that that struggle with depression and those kind of things. They say, well, people just tell me, don't be depressed. (laughs) How do you do that? How do you do that? If it's been a pattern, if there's something there, if it's a chemical thing, whatever, you can't just, oh, okay, yeah, I should have thought of that. That, That's not how it works. Don't have anxiety. Oh, yeah, I should, you know, maybe I won't. But it's a process of the glory of God. It's a process. Amen. And this is his training. His training is a process. Enjoy the path. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is in you. He's there to transform your way of thinking. When we think about renewing of our mind, we think, okay, I'm just going to think about good things. Well, that doesn't, you know, our willpower doesn't get it done. We can do that for a while and then we keep correcting ourselves when we find we've drifted off into fear or something. But the Holy Spirit is working to change the core 
of who we are. So our, our default is God is good. Our default is hope. Our default is faith. We're not wavering. I love Abraham, you know. His attitude, a man of faith, when all these things that were oppressing him, his default was, you know, God asked him to offer up his only son. And how faith resolved his heart was, well, then God must be going to raise him from the dead because he already promised that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, that's the, that can be a default in our life. No matter what comes to us on the outside, God has called me. God loves me. God, if, if my heart is after him 100%, he is working all things together for good. That's not just for everybody who has no thought of God, has no passion for God, has no pursuit of God. That is for, in that context, it has to do with those that have come into this living commitment to him. God is merciful and he will restore lives even though things get messed up. He is great and merciful and kind. But that verse in Romans 8, 28 is talking about those who are the called according to his purpose. Amen, you are the called. You are in the spirit. He has designed for you. You know, I'm so thrilled to see where the young people here are. In their faith, in their spirit, in the purity of their devotion to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? What, uh, you know, I'm in my mid-60s. What happened to me when I was 16? And God came and bound himself to my spirit. He called me to his side. It's still happening today. It's the same transformation. It's the same spirit. It's the same kingdom. He puts that same zeal. Hallelujah. Let's just give the young people a hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Won't it be exciting in 10 years to hear about what's happened through these young people? Won't it be exciting? It's always exciting within them, but sometimes we don't see it. (laughs) Wow. Amen. Glory. I told Pastor Steve since I didn't preach last week, I was going to take double time today. (laughs) Let me go through a couple more thoughts here. In Romans, down here, a couple spots in Romans 8, 17. Well, let's read 16 too. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. We need to learn how to nurture that testimony. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And we can, we can gauge the cry of our spirit as to where we are spiritually. Abba, Father, that's a continual acknowledgement. Doesn't mean those words all the time, but the acknowledgement of I'm in the family of God, I'm in unity with him. We can develop that, we can nurture that. 
And in verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And the children then heirs, also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. If you read through Paul's writings, so many times when God, when Paul talks about the glory of God coming into our experience is associated with suffering. We don't like to hear that necessarily. But when the glory of God rests upon us, the world will react. Amen. If we are pressing into this, and God tells us very clearly, so that we can be prepared, not, as Peter said, don't be surprised, you know, at the things you're experiencing, because the glory of God rests upon you. Listen to what Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were not of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. That's the power of the glory of the presence of God. It causes a reaction. We're not trying to get the world to hate us. I mean, we can do a lot of things to get people to dislike us. But this is just a result of the abiding glory upon us. There's a reaction in the world. And so we need to be armed. Okay, I'm not here to just make friends with everybody and have everybody, you know, sit by the fireside and kumbaya. <laughs> That's not how the world is. Christians should be that way. But the world is going to react. And some of the things we see going on in our society right now have to do with this waging war against the darkness and light. It doesn't even make sense. Why do people hate so much? It's not natural. There's a reaction in spirit. John said in 1 John 3, 13, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. The 12 were in that condition. But then also John is saying the church is in this condition. Let me just read first Peter four, fourteen. Maybe. First Peter four twelve, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. For if you are reviled and for the name of Christ, you are blessed. And listen to what he says, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. This is who we are. We're the light of the world because we're full of Jesus Christ, because we're full of his presence. 
and the world is going to react. And God tells us this so that we're not moved away from our stand. Don't be surprised. We make our commitment to Jesus Christ once and for all. And whatever happens, whether I'm accepted, rejected, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't change my heart condition. Amen. And so our standing unmoved is valuable in the sight of God. He is watching. He's watching our lives. He's watching our attitude. He's watching our heart devotion. And as we, as we mature, as we prove ourselves to him, he is going to add more and more grace to us. I know in the 70s and 80s, I had seen a lot of people healed in their backs. And it was, you know, it was just something that was there. And I thank God for that. And it was always had to do with feeling the anointing flow through me. And I could sense that glory. And then I had one of my <clears throat> instructors from Bible school. I invited him to come to Saskatchewan. <laughs> and we had, you know, just starting to work there. And so it was a really small group. But he, he said, I'll come. And he, you know, he, he was a person that just loved the Lord. And he wasn't a minister at that time. He was a full gospel businessman. But he came. And he did some meetings and, you know, the power of God. People got filled with the Spirit, different things. And anyway, he would pray for backs, you know, in a certain way. And while he was praying one day, he looked at me and said, God wants to give you this kind of anointing to pray for backs. I said, well, okay. <laughs> but it came upon me and it operated in a completely different way than I had ever operated before. It just worked. And he explained some of the things of how God had taught him. So then everybody I prayed for, for like three months, I mean, it wasn't a lot of people, but everybody I prayed for, their backs were healed. And I found myself visiting the States and God had opened the door for me to preach in a church and there was like 13 people that came forward for back problems and I prayed for them and 12 of the 13 were instantly healed and one didn't get it and I thought, oh, this doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> but anyway, there was a fellow there, the last person I prayed for and he was 80 years old. He'd been the last year before the polio uh, vaccine had come out. He had contracted polio when he was young. And so his leg was at least 10 inches shorter than the other one. And he had this huge boot on. And he came up and asked for prayer, you know. And, I'm, and it wasn't just his back. I mean, his leg was literally short because of the polio. And I just said, well, I'll, I'll pray with you. So I, I had him sit down. I grabbed both heels in my hand. And it might have been a foot shorter. I mean, it was never seen like it. And all of a sudden, God began to grow that leg out. And it grew out and grew out. And it went about six inches beyond the other one. And I'm like, well, stop. <laughs> and then it went back. And you could watch 
as God was working up the back and healing the vertebrae as well. And while I was praying, he shouted out, the pain is gone, the pain is gone. Hallelujah. And he stood up. And this is a Lutheran a Presbyterian church in North, you know, North American, I mean, Northern Minnesota Presbyterian church. So they were all just sitting there staring. <laughs> and, but his wife stood up and said, he, she just shouted it out. I've never seen him stand that straight before. And so he was doing a jig and stuff. I said, well, I'll dance with you and whatever. But we do what we can. God adds the impossible. And I like to share that story. So you, some of you have probably heard it before, but wow. God will add, he'll partner with us if we'll stay in the program, if we'll stay on track, and we won't be discouraged. We keep moving ahead. We allow ourselves to be trained humbly. We allow ourselves to receive correction. Amen. Amen. And so God is watching over our lives and he sees our faithfulness. I'm going to have Phyllis come up and share a poem. <laughs> and this is a poem Linda Guderian wrote recently, and it kind of, and she was here in our school of ministry for a couple years and went through it. And do we have a mic here? Anyway, it, this poem speaks kind of to the, what's going on in our society today with all the unrest, racial things, but it reminds us of some other things too. It's entitled, The Voiceless. Mother, mother, hear my plea. Please don't take it out on me. Perhaps you're broke or live in fear, but I'm alive and I am here. Rainbow pride or women's rights, black lives matter, or planet blight. Take your banners, take your stand, march and shout and give demand. Help us here, I have no voice, have no way to make a choice. I can't march, I have no say, but I'm the one who dies today. Who will cry? Who will mourn? For me, your baby, yet unborn. Mother, mother, hear my cry. Please, mother, I don't want to die. This travesty is going on in our nation. And we can focus on so many other things. Let's take a moment and just pray for these unborn children. Let's ask God to make a way in strength. 
that this thing will stop. Not according to natural power, but according to the move of his, his grace. So let's just lift our voices together. Hallelujah. Father, we present these unborn to you, Lord. I know, Lord, the blood of all those that have died is crying out to you. We ask for your mercy upon us. Lord, we as a nation, we have sinned. Forgive us, Lord. And I ask, Lord, let, let's together, I all personally, I ask, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would move and save and make a way, Lord, that this will cease in our nation. And also, Lord God, that in these individual lives, that each one, Lord, is so precious in your sight. We're not just looking at the mass, Lord. Each one has a destiny, a call. Each one has a plan according to your heart. I ask that you save these individuals, Lord. And I ask that you'd bless the families, that you'd make a way, Lord, financially or whatever the issues are, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I bind up the lies that have been told to mothers and parents. In Jesus' name, I bind up the lies, Lord, that they might be free to see and make a good, godly choice. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God loves the children. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You've called us such a high place. Thank you, Lord God. And we're going to go into our world as a light. And I thank you, Lord, that people will be drawn to the light and we can share Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. If you would like prayer today, just come forward. We have people that will pray with you. And whatever the issues might be, we'll be glad to join with you. So we'll have, I guess, the ushers will. There's more to pray here, too. And Lord, we do pray for your love to reign in this nation. We pray for you to flow through your people. We pray for reviving in the church. We pray that in the church of Jesus Christ, we may be doers of the very word that was brought to us today. That we might live as though we are knowing and experiencing. Yes, we are in the spirit because we have, we have the spirit of Christ within us and we are in the spirit and we will walk in continuance, in consistency, that we won't go for a few days or a few weeks or a few months and then turn back. But this is all the way with you. Amen. This is a yielding of our whole being, our spirit, of course, but our soul, our mind, the renewing of our mind, but even our bodies, Lord, given over to you. And we know that, that when we do this, there will be suffering, there will be persecution in the world, there is. 
persecution, but you've said too um, that you've overcome the world and we are in you, so we have nothing to fear. Nothing at all to fear. But we pray for reviving in the church that where people have been walking, that we, we pray that we may walk in the Spirit. We pray that we may walk in the Spirit as your church. We may walk in the Spirit, walk and talk with you moment by moment, every day, partnered with you, Lord. Amen. And that, that your glory will be seen in the church and upon the church, and that this will spread and it'll touch those places where there is such division in our nation today for whatever reasons and there seems to be a lot of them in these days and so we thank you for this now in jesus name and we thank you that your word your spirit is working in us your spirit is working in us your word is working in us we know from Philippians 2.13, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, that you, God, and your word are working in us now. Amen. And we thank you that we are people that are just like we did this morning. We had a meal here. And now we had a spiritual meal. And we know that our spirits need this. This is food for our spirit person within. Oh, thank you, Lord, that that word becomes flesh in us now. It takes on, we take it on and it becomes a part of us and we walk in it. Amen. In Jesus' name. And we will not walk in fear either concerning the pandemic. That is, we, we just aren't going to do that. We don't walk in fear. But we thank you that we can walk safely in you in jesus name amen amen so we'll do it like we have been while the ushers will release us from the back to the front and uh, and uh, yeah there's no coffee time today there won't be today we'll go home and celebrate our father's days and such